Hola mi gente, welcome to La Vida es Una podcast, a space where we have authentic and honest conversations about life experiences. We are your hosts, Dante and Itzel, and today we'll be talking about religion. This is a topic that we have been wanting to talk about for some time, and so I'm really excited to get started. And a quick disclaimer, these opinions are our own. You may or may not agree with some of the ideas we share today, and that's okay. We are simply having a conversation about religion and we'll be sharing our own perspective based on our own lived experiences. We recognize that there are different opinions about this topic, and we respect that. With that out of the way, let's jump right in. Thank you for saying that. I know this is a sensitive topic, mm -hmm. but again, we are not here to tell anyone how to live their life. This is a conversation based on our experiences and our relationship with religion, how we grew up, and how that has affected us in adulthood. We'll start off by sharing how religion has played a role in our life. Dante, do you want to get started? Sure. You know, I grew up Catholic household. Religion, it's a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So there might be folks who uh, are very religious, right? And some who may not be as religious. Mm -hmm. So I think we felt kind of towards the middle. You know, we would go to church on some Sundays, but not every Sunday. <laughs> I mean, I was baptized as a kid, uh, but this is when I was a baby. And during elementary school, we would go to catechism, which in the Catholic church, that is essentially like a school to learn more about the Bible and learn about the different sacraments. And you do that to do your first communion and so i i did go i think on the weekends to some classes i also kind of did my confirmation towards fifth or sixth grade i think religion started to play a big role in my life in fifth grade because that's when we moved to a school here in the u.s and it was a catholic school it was led by nuns but it's not like the movies like i think i only may have had one nun who was our teacher for like the religion class Okay. Uh, but the rest of the classes were taught by like regular teachers. During that class, you know, we would discuss the Bible. Yeah. Uh, we would also go to church, I think, on Fridays. Mm. So then you had religion class and church on Friday. Sundays was more, I think, with like your family. Fridays was just with your own classmates. Yeah. But mm. I did it, you know, from fifth grade all the way to eighth grade. So middle school as well. Yeah. So a total of four years mm. uh, in that Catholic middle school. And I think how religion shaped me, I would say, I think it instilled good values. I remember learning learning about respect, learning about being honest mm. and saying the truth, the importance of giving back and volunteering, helping mm -hmm. others. So those kind of three themes, I think to this day, mm -hmm. are, are principles that I live my life by. Mm -hmm. And I think religion played a role uh, in how I think about the world even to this day. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yeah, for four years. Four years, that's like college. Yeah, exactly. Uh, four <laughs> years of college. I remember as a kid growing up, I would pray a lot at night mm -hmm. uh, for my family, my sisters, my grandparents mm -hmm. and friends to make sure everyone was safe. Asking God to, you know, help me get a good grade on my <laughs> test, uh, that tomorrow is a good day. That is something that I would do very consistently. Yeah. During middle school, I, th I think even up to high school and, and college. And, and nowadays, I think it's less frequent. But I do think prayer is a way uh, to reflect. At least that's how I see it. Mm. And to also um, ask uh, for guidance, ask for help, uh, for good health for, for, for others. I remember going to, before going to sleep, that, that was something I would always do. Yeah. And if I didn't pray, I felt something bad was going to happen. <laughs> and so I made sure oh. that I did that every night to pray for others. My grandpa would do the same with us. There's this verse. It goes like, En paz me acostaré y así mismo dormiré porque solo tu Jehová me has hecho dormir confiado. Have you mm. heard that one before? No. You want to translate it to English? Uh, in peace I will sleep because you, God, are watching over me. 
something like that. So to wrap up what you were saying, Dante, you were born into a Catholic household mm -hmm. and you went to a Catholic school and that's how you were exposed to religion and really practice that in the early stages of your life. Yeah, that's a that's a good recap. One last thought I'll share is throughout the years, mm -hmm. I think religion, well, early on was something that something my parents, my family shared uh, with me during college. I started really to formulate my own thoughts around mm -hmm. religion. Uh, and to this day, I would say I'm not super religious i do believe in god that there's you know higher forces out there mm -hmm. in nature but i'm not super proactive in yeah. terms of like going to church or reading the bible yeah a lot has changed and uh, we'll go into that we'll definitely dive into our current views and how religion has shaped us in adulthood but we'll talk about this in a minute <laughs> sure do you want to share more about your early yeah. experience with religion of course so i was born into a christian household my family used to run a church when i was a kid my grandpa was a pastor so i was very involved in church we would go i think to church on wednesday fridays and sundays mm. my mom and my grandpa say that i was very active and wanting to take on leadership roles at church when i was a kid mm. like five years old which i don't remember <laughs> One memory that I do have is I wanted to join the church choir. And my tío, my uncle, was a pianist in the church band. And so he was the one holding practices for the choir girls. And I wanted to be part of it. So one of those practices I joined and I was so shy and so nervous to sing in front of somebody that when it was my turn to practice the, the song in front of, these were like teenagers, right? They're in their 16, 17 year, years old and I was five years old and I just couldn't I left the room crying and then my mom came and my grandpa came and, and they just kind of laughed a little bit but also like they comforted me and said it's okay if you don't want to sing so that's one memory that I have but to continue when we came to the U.S. my mom had already been attending the Salvation Army and so Mm. Then we moved apartments and we attended this other church. In seventh grade, I started taking piano lessons. Part of it was because my mom wanted me to play. Mm. And so she, she pushed me to do it. And so by the time I got to high school, which was ninth grade, I already know how to play church songs in the piano. So I played all throughout high school in my church's band. Mm. I was very involved up until I left to college. And mm. then I was exposed to other ideas. And my view of religion has definitely changed. Yeah, same. I agree with you that it did teach me a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of volunteer work through the Salvation Army. We would go feed the homeless on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We would go to convalescent homes to play music for these elder folks. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of, a lot of friends through church. Mm. And one of the things that was a huge benefit to me and my family when we came to the U.S., we didn't have a lot of family members here. Mm. So when we got to L.A., the community that we had, my mom had started to build was via the Salvation Army Church. I and see. so to this day, like, there's a lot of people that we still keep in touch with because they had been there for us since day one, since we came to the United States. Immigrating can be so isolating and it feels so lonely. Yeah. That when you find a community of people that are so caring, in the first year after we came to the US, my parents separated. Mm. And so my mom starting this journey as a single mom, she needed a lot of support. Mm -hmm. And so very nice people from church were there for her, supporting her and telling her she could do it, taking care of us, looking after us. And essentially, my whole life was built through the church. When we went to Berkeley, that's when I really started to understand in a more holistic view the, the role that religion played mm. in society. 
we can go into our next question here, which is how has religion shaped your adult experience? Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go. I think we just described all the benefits that we got through religion in the early stages of my life. And I think for the majority of my mom's life, we lived very strictly according to whatever the Bible said. Mm. And so it was very limiting. Yeah. I just remember it being a really strict life. At what point did you feel was strict? Like even growing up, did you recognize that? Or was it something that looking a few (laughs) years back, you started to see, see that? No, that's a very good question. I didn't even realize how strict it was until I went to college. Mm -hmm. Actually, until we came to the United States. Mm -hmm. That's when I started to get exposed to other ways of life. But it was definitely in college where I I looked back and said, wow, that's actually not okay. Some Mm -hmm. of the things that we were limited to do, I think now we're not okay. Let me give you some examples. Different churches have different rules. Mm -hmm. But when I was growing up in in Mexico, we were not allowed to wear makeup Mm. because it was prohibited. We were not allowed to wear tight jeans Mm. because this is how it was explained to me. Okay, so these are not my words, but we were only allowed to wear long skirts Mm. because if we wore anything tight as women, like tight shirts, tight jeans, we wanted to get men's attention. So it was our fault if we got that attention from from guys. Not the other way around. Right. Mm. It was like almost we wanted to seduce them just by wearing jeans. Mm. And when I came to the United States and everybody wore jeans, I was like, this is normal. But I felt guilty wearing jeans Mm. because I was told that I was at fault, Mm. that it's wrong. I see. I don't want to say that I had a, a bad childhood because there are very special moments. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I do think that religion was very limiting in my life. And to this day, I still deal with a lot of the shame and guilt that comes from the religious rules that said, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm. It was so ingrained in me. Oh, this is another thing. You couldn't listen to regular music. Mm-hmm. You couldn't watch regular TV. Oh. I think the only thing we were allowed to watch was the news because anything other than like there's religious and there's like secular TV, media, music. So if I would have listened to like Bad Bunny, I would have been at sin. Mm, If it wasn't religious, then I was sinning. I see. I remember at one point in our childhood, maybe you can also relate. Mm -hmm. uh, Pokemon and Dragon Ball C and Digimon, right? These cartoon shows... (laughs) Where son del Diablo. Yeah. Son del Diablo. Like, I, I think it came out in the news yeah. that watching these shows were was a sin and, and that the devil had created these. So yeah. I remember my mom said, hey, you can no longer see those shows anymore. So yeah. I was bummed out. But looking back now, that sounds like a pretty funny but also kind of crazy idea that these cartoons were created by the devil. When really they're just, they were just stories. Back then, religion mm. played a really big role in people's lives and society. I was born into a Catholic household, right? There was no choice me as a kid to say, hey, mm-hmm. do I want to be part of this religion or not? It was yeah. something that was a tradition passed down. You were down. not given an option. Correct. And so, I, and same, I think for you, right? Like you did not have an option to choose, yeah. right? It's something that we were born into in both of our cases. And so I do think religion played a big role in socializing us, yeah. right? In the way we think, like mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, it taught us good values. It taught us about community, about giving back. For me, I do take those those good values and, and I do appreciate that. 
But on the other hand, I also recognize that, you know, religion, when taken to the extreme, just like anything else, mm-hmm. right? When anything's taken to the ex- extreme, it can be harmful. Um, you mentioned like, you know, having very strict rules and feeling yeah. very limited. That resonated with me because I remember in the Catholic middle school mm-hmm. class that, it, that I started going to, we would form a line outside the classroom mm-hmm. and then the teacher would every morning would check uh, our uniform. Yeah. Right. So for boys, you had to wear a belt. Yeah. You, you had to, uh, they would check your nails to make sure they were cut <laughs> and clean. And then your hair uh, could not be over your ear. So you had to have your uh, haircut yeah. and of a certain length. Mm. Uh, and so these were things that uh, they would check. And last thing, I think they would check that your shoes mm. uh, were clean. So those were on the days where you were uh, your formal uniform, which okay. is like a sweater, a mm-hmm. polo shirt, and then mm. pants and shoes. And I think Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that's when we wore like our PE clothes. So yeah. same thing, they would check that our shoes would mm. be white and clean. Uh, if you missed any of those checks, yeah. right, uh, that will impact your grade. So, oh my goodness, yeah, religious institutions have very strict rules. Mm-hmm. It's always following some sort of old book. In our case, the Bible. Catholic churches also use the Bible, or is it a different one? Yeah, it's a Bible. Um, it's the Old Testament, the New Testament. Even the uh, the idea of mm-hmm. the Bible being the book of life. Growing up, like people would say, hey, you know, this is a book written by God, mm-hmm. right through yeah. through its disciples and now i really see the bible as a book Mm. right and even though i do believe in god i i don't think that i don't agree with everything in the bible i do think also there's a lot of rules and restrictions in the bible you know just like anything one size fits all right that yeah you know applying rules for everyone right especially rules that were or a book that was written many hundreds or maybe thousands of years ago uh how can that be applicable to daily exactly it's not relevant right it doesn't change it doesn't update and i think these rules come from the interpretation mm-hmm. of multiple people mm-hmm. so yeah. you can read one verse in the bible mm-hmm. and if you have 10 pastors they will all interpret it differently yeah. so they will all have different rules for their churches and, and they can so bend it and form it to, to their, their own beliefs correct. and existing yeah. opinions about how the world should be yeah right yeah <sighs> I want to talk about the Bible, but I just want to mention two things. Mm -hmm. As you were talking about limitations, something else that I remember is when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to cut my hair. Mm. I had my hair like very long up to like below my waist Mm. because in the Bible, apparently it says that hair is sacred. Mm. And so I wasn't allowed to cut it. Mm. So even cutting my hair like to a bob was like a sin. That's wild. Like now that I think about it, because... It's very controlling. <laughs> Sneak peek. I rebelled in the in the coming years. But <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I rebelled. Yeah. It was so limiting. Mm. There's also very gendered yes. rules and expectations. So as a girl, I wasn't allowed to do certain things that my brothers were allowed to do. Mm. These ideas that were kind of ingrained when I, as I was growing up via what the Bible says is the man is the head of the household. Mm -hmm. Like the man has a lot of power in religion and in the Bible. And a lot of pastors are are men. Yeah. And so when I went to Berkeley and I started getting exposed to like women empowerment, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I started to analyze that for such a big part of my life, I think I was pretty submissive to whatever I was told Mm. because that's how I was raised. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, one thing I do want to go back to is you were talking about interpretation of the yeah. Bible. Mm-hmm. And one thing we had chatted about is it's kind of like playing the game of telephone. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like maybe, yeah, God said one thing, but as people writing it, right? Yeah. Like, and as people read the Bible, mm-hmm. it's like literature. You interpret it in many different ways. Yeah. The Bible, I see it more as a book and mm-hmm. rather than like, this is the way that you need to live your life, right? Because it's so open to interpretation. Or when someone disagrees with you, they mm. may bring in the Bible as their evidence. Yeah. And, and they use it a lot to maybe excuse their behavior, which I don't think is right. We all treat it as a source of truth mm-hmm. or like the source of how we're supposed to live life. Yeah. Where anything outside of that is is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a lot of shame and guilt mm-hmm. and a lot of things in my life. Something as, as simple as like listening to just regular music. Yeah. That was very shameful for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And watching regular TV, yeah. that was shameful too. Yeah. As you were talking about the Bible, if you tell somebody something, in the next two to three people, it will get changed a little tiny bit every time. Now imagine reading a a book that was written thousands of years ago. I actually don't know how long, but it was written a long time ago. Right. And it was transcribed in multiple languages and translated Mm -hmm. to create like the updated version Mm -hmm. by multiple people. Yeah. And in translation, things get lost. Right. Not to disrespect anyone or, or the Bible. I'm allowing myself to have more questions now than I used to. Yeah, and I think that's important to form your own perspective. Versus before, like we said, we were born into a certain religion Mm -hmm. because of tradition, because our family gets passed down. Yeah. But I think when you become an adult, you know, or or when you kind of leave your hometown, you get exposed to new ideas. That enables you to start questioning what, what else is out there. Right. And I do think, you know life it's in this world it can be a lonely place we talked about that mm-hmm. and i do think intrinsically a lot of people do need guidance we all need guidance yeah right because life is complex it's hard and we seek guidance and i think to an extent religion plays that role it can be that do that job for you can give you guidance but what i disagree with is how strict or limiting it can be and then who is to say what is good or, or bad for everyone in the mm. world, for like the seven or eight billion people, human beings on this on this earth, right? That is my take now on religion. I'll share this quick story. My freshman <laughs> year, being new to the city of Berkeley, and this is my first time leaving San Diego, moving to a new yeah. city all by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make friends. It already feels lonely, but I know that in order for me to survive in colleges, yeah. I need to have friends. And so one thing that I noticed, this is a pattern that a lot of church groups yeah. <laughs> would be in the cafeteria, would be on your way to classes, yeah. having signs and posters about, hey, we're going to have a free lunch or a free dinner, mm-hmm. or we're going to play games, a barbecue on the weekend, yeah. and we invite you to attend. But what they wouldn't tell you is if you were to attend one of these social events, they would ask for your uh, email, your cell phone number, yeah. and then that's how they start to... Uh, get you involved in in religion in bible study and so it's a way for them to attract new students Mm. right but at the same time what i noticed with some friends who actually attended some of those social events is after sharing their own information they would text you or they would call you and say hey we have bible study this week 
make sure to attend, right? <laughs> and they would constantly check in on you. And if you didn't attend, right, they, they would kind of feel shameful or guilty, mm, right? They would guilt you into going. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And so, and it was very done very sneaky. I think in the cafeteria, you know, sometimes I would sit by myself, sometimes mm-hmm. I would sit by my friends. And then they would just sit next to you at the cafeteria. And it's yeah. kind of, it's hard to say like, no, I mean, I don't want you to sit next to me. <laughs> uh, especially when they did it in a, in a way where it made it seem like they wanted to be your friends. But really, they were trying to kind of get you to be part of their, their religious group. In college, there are uh, religious groups uh, that kind of force themselves onto your mm. life, right? When you're a new student in a new city, you're scared. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable yeah. And so I, I, that's where I disagree. I think it's wrong to prey on vulnerable people mm. and then be so forceful about religion. I think I disagree with how religion can be used as a tool when people force their opinions on others. Mm. I don't think that's being done in a thoughtful way. It's just like there's two sides to this because in one sense, like they were helping you if you didn't have any friends, if you didn't have a community, like they were actually doing a very nice thing for you. But Mm -hmm. on the other side is they're pushing this belief on you, this religion, where you're such a in a vulnerable state, you're like like very fresh and you're so young. Like we're, when we go into college, how old are we? Like 17, 18. Yeah. I think whenever you're somebody in a new space, in new cities like us, we came from Mexico to the United States. That transition puts anyone in a vulnerable spot. Mm -hmm. And you're just longing to find your community, longing to find people who get you and who care about you, who, who will look after you. Yeah. And in that sense, I don't know if it's done intentionally or not, Mm. but that's where I feel like maybe people should be given more space to think about what they're signing up for. But having been in that religious world, having been part of maybe somebody who would have been in that club, Mm. they may not be thinking of it as that, right? Now Mm. we see it as, oh, that was a little forceful and I was in a vulnerable state But I think when you're in it, you don't see it that way. Right. You see it as like, I'm actually helping somebody. Mm -hmm. I want to give this person a community, somebody who's so new to this space. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing anything wrong. Right. But I do know that in the church, we're taught to Mm -hmm. spread the word of God as much as possible. Or to convert people to your own religion. we are. So in that sense, they're only doing what they're supposed to do and... Mm -hmm. And in their mind, it's a good thing. Right. Like, we're trying to help you. Like, we're trying to help you, Dante. Yeah. Like, just come join us. We're trying to help ensure that you go to heaven as well. But like, as we have taken a step back, the way that I see the religious system is you try to convert or push your belief on somebody who you know is in need the most. Yeah. It's hard to blame maybe the people that attend if they don't fully understand the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody that grew up in the church and you haven't been able to see like maybe more holistically how the system is and how how religion plays a role in society, then you don't think you're doing anything wrong. Another thing I wanted to say going back to the Bible is although very good ideas and values and lessons can come from the Bible, it is definitely used to back up ideas that are again very restricting, very limiting yeah. and exclude certain types of people. It excuses people's behavior for how they should treat other people, other groups. And I don't think that's okay because when there's a discussion and people have different different views, there's always religious people that bring in the Bible. Well, yeah. in the Bible, it says this. Right. And if you don't follow that, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. 
interpret it in that sense you're just validating your own views yeah yeah who are you to say what's right versus wrong going back to that and we talked about religion being a way of socializing mm. children and kids and family members and even adults it can be used as a tool to control people to shape people's ideas and views and sometimes that's taken to the extreme yeah right it's a book that is being used to form laws. It's a book that mm -hmm. is being used to exclude people. Yeah. It's a book that is being used to control people. That's when I think religion is being taken to the extreme and really hurting and impacting uh, our life and people's lives. I think the scariest and most damaging aspect of religion is that people believe in something blindly. Mm. Like, you learn that listening to secular music is a sin. And if you don't ever question that, you blindly believe and take that idea to the grave. Mm. You don't ever question, like, is that right? Why? Even if you are a person who questions things in the church, I remember asking, like, why do we have to do this? And it's like, well, because the Bible says so. Although you do question, I think you are shut down a lot of the times. And if you are somebody that questions a lot of religious beliefs in the church, then you're almost labeled like a sinner. Yeah, uh, questioning. You shouldn't question God. Yeah, questioning is not encouraged. Yeah. Right? That's dangerous. That's very dangerous and that's what's scary to me. That there's a lot of people out there that believe so blindly in an ex-religion. And they want everybody to live according to those rules. Mm-hmm. But not everybody wants that. And that's where I, I draw the line. I, I don't feel like people should impose their beliefs on other people. You shouldn't tell people how to live their life. You can live your life according to how you want to. Mm -hmm. The exclusion that comes from interpretations of the Bible, I think, is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that's what scares me. Yeah. But as you were talking about all the good values that we both learned via the church. I've mentioned this before. I think all those values we could have learned outside of the church. Mm. Like giving back, volunteering, being a kind person, not lying, not stealing. I think those are all lessons that you can just learn through parenting. I don't think you need to go to church to learn those things. Yeah, or other activities, you know, like playing sports, right? It could also be, you know, learning to play an instrument. There's other activities that will teach you some mm. of these good principles yeah. to lead your life. Mm. I think as we had mentioned before, people sometimes use religion to excuse their behavior. Yeah. Religious leaders, politicians, mm -hmm. just a lot of people, yeah. right? They turn a blind eye. Yep, that's it. And they use religion, yep. which is supposed to be the goodness, the guidance of our life yeah. to excuse their behavior. That's why I think it can be so dangerous, though, because as a, as a follower of this religious leader, you don't question him. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, most of the time it's a guy, so I am, like, I'm saying him because the majority of times it's, this, it's a man being at the forefront of the church. Mm -hmm. And so as a church member... If this religious leaders do something shady or act weird in some way, your mind cannot comprehend that they did something wrong. So you don't ever call it out. Especially when your leader's at fault. 
like, oh no, he's too good, too holy. How could to he? Ha- do how could he have done wrong? that? Right. That's the thing that is so scary to me that mm-hmm. you don't question people's behaviors because they're religious leaders, mm-hmm. and you think that they're above above everyone else, everyone yeah. else, but also like closer to God. So how could they possibly do anything wrong? And churches do have a lot of power, and they do have a lot of money too. Mm-hmm. Like the Vatican yeah. city, yeah, right? Yeah, wild to me. Well, the reason it was so wild to me is because I grew up Christian, so mm. the Vatican wasn't something I was exposed, exposed to. to until I came to the United States. Mm. And then I saw on TV how huge it was. Like, it's a huge deal. Yeah, and the the Pope is treated like a king. He's Isn't he, like, super rich? Well, maybe not him, but the institution, institution of the Vatican. Most likely. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, and how all the presidents go visit the Pope to get his blessing. Yeah, he is a political piece or he plays a role in politics. Mm -hmm. So another aspect of the Catholic Church that I found very interesting because we didn't do that growing up is when you go to confession, Mm -hmm. right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, you confess your sins to the priest. Mm-hmm. And essentially, let's say you did a sin, you lied, mm-hmm. or you did something that was wrong. Yeah. You can actually go confess and share that information with the priest. And in order for you to cleanse that mm-hmm. sin, yeah, you have to pray. Maybe yeah. they say, hey, you have to pray Hail Mary, or you have to mm-hmm. pray 10 Our Fathers, mm-hmm. right? Which are templated prayers yeah. that you kind of memorize when you're part of the church. And just by doing that, you kind of erase your sins. You're now a good person again, which is when I think about it now, it's, it sounds kind of funny, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have that. I don't remember having that mm-hmm. where there wasn't like there's a resetting mm-hmm. of, okay, I was a bad person yesterday, but now I confess and I'm a good person now. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting to me because I don't know, I, it, it could be used as an excuse to continue doing bad behaviors. Yeah, maybe the counterpoint there is that in a way, you're making people who do, but when they do bad things, reflect mm. on their actions. So maybe, in a way, that's good. Mm, like I see, having people reflect on why they acted a certain way, okay, or made a certain decision. Yeah, I agree with you that in a sense, religion is getting used as a way to excuse their behavior, and I think that's where where I think it's it's wrong. Obviously, not everybody takes it like that. I think a lot of people would see it as the way you explained it. You reflect on what you did wrong. You're never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And you're very sorry for that. But there's cases where people can take it as an excuse for their behavior. Mm -hmm. And even as you were mentioning that you're Catholic and I'm Christian, I remember very clearly there were so many warnings about marrying outside of your religion. Mm. Like that was also something you shouldn't do. The message that I was given is if you marry outside of your religion, it's not going to work out. Mm. Were you given that too? Yeah. The same for me. I think religion expects you to marry other folks in your own religion religion. to kind of continue that tradition and that Mm -hmm. cycle, right? That you pass it down to your kids and your future family. I obviously rebelled. (laughs) (laughs) I want to prove that wrong. I don't think that just because you have different religions, you're not going to work out as a couple. Yeah. And with that, I also want to say that in my current state... I do believe in God, but Hmm. I'm on my journey of finding my spirituality for a long time after college. I didn't want to believe in anything. I just didn't want to. All the things I was told to do, I didn't want to do them. And that's where like the rebellious phase came. I just challenged everything. 
like my mom of course saw it i don't know i i had a quinceanera and i wasn't allowed to cut my hair until after my 15s mm. i kid you not i think it was within the week after my quinceanera i, I cut my hair short <laughs> i was like i'm not having any of this so that but was like a turning point for you at your at 15 years of age but it's just started. like the lack of agency mm-hmm. i didn't have my own voice i didn't get to make my own decisions i was told what to do i was told how to behave mm. all in the name of religion and all because this is what the bible says so when i went to college and really started to see other points of views i just chose to not follow what i was told and that's when i started quote unquote rebelling mm. right i guess what a lot of people think it's like normal I thought it was like a form of rebellion. I see. But in a way, you were progressing in your life. You were forming your own thoughts and opinions. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, from, from the religion standpoint, you were going against the religion, right? Yeah. So you were, instead of being a follower, so then what's wrong, but you're really being a leader. You're taking your own agency, taking some of that power back and really yeah. forming your own thoughts around I think the original life. leader, though, was my mom mm. because she was quote-unquote the black sheep of her family she was the one that wasn't as religious as everybody else in my family like my tios my tias i guess they were very involved in church but she didn't want to be as involved Mm -hmm. but it's so funny that i actually wanted to be more involved in church than my mom was Mm. so i guess it really hit me strong the the indoctrination of these ideas that in my family, I was actually the one that was the most religious. Mm. I went to church the most, and I actually told my family, like, hey, we should all go to church more often. I was the only one in the church's band. My brothers were not. Mm. My mom didn't actually push us to go to church as much, but it was me. Mm. Like, I took the lead in that. This was in high school, you said? It was, like, throughout, since we came to the United States. Okay. Since, like, age seven to 18, I was the one who pushed my family to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how the tables have turned. So you were that uh, that group in college telling your <laughs> your mom and your brothers, hey, there's going to be free food on Sunday. It's barbecue. Hope to see you at the barbecue, huh? <laughs> but I won't tell you we're going to go to church. <laughs> And actually, that's how me and Itzel met. No, oh, I'm just kidding. That's how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I, I guess I can be considered like a rebel in my family because I don't go to church. Rebel with a cost, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, according to certain people in my family, like I'm in the wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. I should go back to church. I should read the Bible every day. Not listen to a bad bunny, I guess, right? <laughs> if they heard me listening to Kara G, they would flip out. <laughs> Here's where we insert the song. <laughs> but I think the pioneer for the rebellious spirits, I would say, was my mom. Mm. I'll share a little bit about her experience. When she was maybe like 13 years old, 13, 14, she wanted to start wearing makeup. And like I said, this was not allowed in our household. My mom would take the bus to go to school and she would put makeup on the bus mm. because my, my grandparents didn't allow her to wear makeup. Mm. She would hide her little makeup kit in her backpack. In her way to school, she would put on makeup. Uh, escondidas, right? Escondidas. Behind your grandparents' back. Yeah. And my mom, being smart, on her way back in the bus, she would take off her makeup. Mm. So no sign that she wore makeup. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how you get around. That's how you get around those very strict rules. But in the same line, I think that some of these rules can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. Because another aspect of how religion impacted me was not having the proper sex education. Mm. And we don't talk about this stuff. Like we, our parents were so uncomfortable talking to That's us about it. a taboo topic, right? Yes. For many, many people, yeah, many families. But especially when you're in the church. I mean, abstinence was pushed mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. on me since I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since you're you're a little kid, they just tell you abstinence. Oh, and in the movies, right? When we would watch movies and there was like a sex scene, they would just forward it. <laughs> or cover your eyes, cover your cover eyes. Your eyes. You cover cannot your see ears. this. <laughs> or kissing, right? But in the church, there is this very strong message for girls. I don't know how it was for you, for you, and I want to hear from your experience how different it was, if not the same. I was just told, don't have sex until marriage. Mm-hmm. And the abstinence was just pushed on me 24-7. Yeah. It was just something so present in my mind. I was reminded, like, very constantly. By who, your mom? or first? At first, it was the church, of course, my grandparents, mm-hmm. then my mom. And because I was so active throughout my high school year in church, through church again. So mm-hmm. it was just something that was never ending. Mm-hmm. But because of that, the only way that I learned about sex education was through that one class that I had in ninth grade mm-hmm. for one semester. And they also pushed abstinence mm-hmm. in that class. Yeah. It was like the only way to not get STDs and to not get pregnant is just to remain abstinence. Even with that one class that was supposed to teach me about sex education, that was the same narrative. Mm -hmm. Just don't. Yeah. And so the lack of conversation around this topic, I think, made me very, very naive. Yeah. Very naive when I did have sex. And I don't think I, I had the proper education to deal with this with this area in my life Mm. and to this day there's i'm i'm still dealing with remnants of that like shame Mm. and i worked through a lot of it i'm of course i'm still uncomfortable talking about this (laughs) um but i'm more comfortable because it's with you and like we've talked about it before but it's like still there it's still present there's certain aspects of sex and talking about it that i still feel shame around and feel it feels um, i feel like almost guilty talking about this you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to talk about this this is taboo this is a huge thing in religion for girls at least that were really pushed on Mm -hmm. and pressured to not have sex until marriage because if you do you're a sinner and you're going to hell Mm -hmm. and back then in my mom's time if you had sex before marriage then nobody would want to marry you after that and that's just it's like so gross to me it was like you were almost damaged Mm. because of this act and no other guys would want to marry you that hurt women a lot and there was just no education around it Mm. again goes to the point where religion is being used to control people control people's bodies and their their decisions Mm -hmm. which i don't think it's right but thank you for for sharing all of that i know it's not easy 
to yeah. talk about that topic. I mean, you see, like to this day, it's a, a little uncomfortable. And of course, and we're in 2023. <laughs> and we've had talked about this before. And, you know, I, I get emotional because it definitely caused some damage in like my mom's life. Mm. And, and you just carry around this like feeling that you are constantly sinning if you're not doing the right thing according to the Bible. And I think that's pretty hurtful. I remember when I was a kid, I was very scared of going to hell. Mm. If I I watched like a cartoon, I'm going to hell. Yeah. You know, it's a lot to put on a little kid. Yeah, because the repercussions of feeling is so intense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all experience it differently for sure. This was our experience. It may not necessarily be yours. Like religion may have benefited you a lot. And I don't doubt that it benefits a lot of people for sure. My grandpa was an alcoholic before he found religion. Mm. And through the church, he became a new man. He literally transformed himself. Mm -hmm. So I have no doubt that it, it definitely does some good. I just wish that it was more open and that people were given more of, an, of a choice. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Again, right? Like I think I see the Bible as a book nowadays where, yeah, you can get some good things out of it. And so kind of to wrap up the episode here, we had the chance to share more about our own upbringing into how we were born into religion, right? I was born into the Catholic Church and it's I was born into the Christian Church. Mm -hmm. And this was passed down through our families. Yeah. We talked about how different lived experiences in school and being part of church groups early in our childhood taught us good values mm -hmm. that to this day do help us inform how we uh, how we operate, how we make decisions. Mm -hmm. And then we dive very deeply in terms of how we see the Bible as a book, how it can be used for good and bad based on the interpretation based on the interpretation mm -hmm. and and lastly i think we, we wrapped it up with the experience of your mom we talked about uh, sometimes how limiting it can be yeah and how controlling it can be to to this day and so that's kind of like our our take on religion it was a really good conversation it's all thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and being so candid with us today likewise yeah and as tradition for this podcast, as we always do, we end the podcast by saying, La vida es una, life is one. And so make sure that you're kind to others, that you have faith in yourself, and that you keep an open mind. I just want to reiterate that we're not telling anyone how to live their life. Each individual should choose what they believe, how to live, what their values should be. So I hope folks don't feel like we're pushing our beliefs on them. I just wanted to share what our experience has been, how we have transformed our views through our journey in life. And yeah, just how religion has impacted us. I hope you found this episode interesting. And thank you so much for listening. Big shout out to my brother, Danny, who's always listening. And thank you so much for, for bearing with us through this conversation. Yeah, and let us know what other topics you would like us to cover. We'd love to also hear from you what you think about uh, religion we hope this episode sparks conversation mm -hmm. and reflection uh, for y'all and thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you in our next episode that's a wrap see you on the next one that's a wrap Woohoo!
This is a long one. <laughs>